Afternoon, everybody. How are you? Glad you're here. If you've got the skins game on your iPhone, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You wouldn't be here if you cared about it. Good to see you. I hope you have been in, excuse my raspy voice, by the way, it'll hopefully clear in a minute. Um, I hope you have been enjoying Pastor Brett's awesome series called Partnering with Grace. Have you been hearing that? Good, good stuff. Uh, I mean, Brett has been teaching us that grace gives you what you don't deserve and what you can't do for yourself. I mean, it's been so strong. And if you haven't heard those uh, teachings, you can get them online and so on. I'm going to leave today the big theological things to Brett. Nobody does it like he does. The big issues of our salvation, the big issues of our, uh, you know, how we get saved and how God extends grace and, and, and how God, you know, pours down grace upon us for all the things in our life. I'm going to leave all those big, huge theological things to him. And this morning is going to be grace brought to you by McDonald's. Uh, we're going to be right down on the street, okay? I want to talk to you about the day-to-day. I want to talk to you about your life. Is that all right? Um, What I love about our God is that he is a God who is so near, so close, so, um, so in love with us that he knows our lives and he knows our struggles. The greatest lie that a Christian can believe is that they are alone and that God does not understand and that he's not near. That's what leads to almost every Christian defeat, is when people believe that God is removed and he does not care. That's actually the lie that got us in trouble in the first place. That's what Satan went to Eve with, isn't it? The Lord doesn't care. The Lord's holding out on you. Uh, you, you, you don't understand God's, God's removed from this. So don't believe that. When the Lord decides to bless us, when he decides to give something to us, he gives it to us in a way that gets right down into the nitty-gritty of our lives. Consider, for example, and you don't need to turn there. This is just preamble. Um, In Deuteronomy 28, where God is saying how he's going to bless his people for obeying his word. And in Deuteronomy 28, God doesn't just say, I'll bless you, you'll be fine, I'll provide, don't worry. No, he gets down to the nitty-gritty. We sometimes miss it because we're not farmers. It's written for people who are farmers. It's written for people who are rural. And so here's what God says in Deuteronomy 28 and verse 3. Again, you don't need to turn there. You'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. What does that mean to a farmer? It means you'll be blessed at home, but you'll also be blessed in the market. And that why a farmer goes to the city, you'll be blessed in the market. You'll be blessed in your trade. You see how it takes on more meaning? Okay, some of you raised on a farm, maybe. The fruit of your womb would be blessed. Come on, that's everything about your children. That's forever, forever, all right? Fruit of your womb will be blessed. Crops will be blessed of your land and the young of your livestock, all right? The calves of your herd and the lambs of your flock, the bas- your basket and your kneading trough. You guys have any of this stuff? I don't have any of it, but I can sure picture a farmer. Sure picture a farmer. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. What does a farmer put his hand to? Tools. Every time you pick up a tool, you'll be blessed. Every time you walk into your barn, you'll be blessed. Every time you have a calf, you'll be blessed. You see how God gets right down to it and talks to them? Now, I think if he was talking to us, he'd say it a little bit differently. God's going to bless your car. He's going to bless your front seat and your back seat, right? Yes, where the kids are making a mess. He's going he's gonna to bless your trunk where that stuff is you haven't seen for a decade. He's going to bless every room of your house. You follow what I'm saying? He's going to bless your banking. He's going to bless your iOS devices, even, even your Microsoft gadgets. I mean, he can even bless those, believe it or not. He has no problem blessing Apple, but I'm at Microsoft. It's a challenge for the angels. Um, 
He'll bless you when you're driving, even down here where the 66 runs into 28 and everybody loses their stinking minds. I'm just telling you, he can bless you. Now, that's what God says about how he's going to bless you when we obey the word, and, and that's, that's the word for his people. But I want to build on this theme of grace that Brett has been talking to us about. Love this series Pastor Brett's been doing. Let me just read a verse to you, 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4.10, okay? Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace. And here are the words I really want to focus on. In its various forms. Grace in its various forms. The Bible teaches about saving grace. The Bible teaches about general grace. Theologians talk about particular grace, all kinds of technical stuff. But I want you to see in those words, and there are other words in the Bible that are like this, that God gives grace in various forms. Another translation says he gives multifaceted grace. He gives grace with many parts, many pieces, many ways. One translation says he packages, he packages grace differently according to his will. I love that. And what I want you to see today and what we're going to talk about for the next little while is the fact that grace is not just up there, not just the big, broad salvation grace, but that God loving us has been as specific in giving us grace as he was in promising blessing for God's people, right down to where they touch their tools, right down to their shoes, right down to their bedrooms, right down to the actual details of their, of their lives. The Lord has given grace, not just for salvation, but for the battles of your life. And if you don't know that, I'm not hammering you now, but if you don't know that and you're not able to take hold of that, then you will believe the lie that he is removed, does not care, and cannot help you. And that's the lie that will lead us to destruction. So I have seven examples of grace that God gives that's unusual because the spirit does not move unless there are seven points in the sermon. I'm just telling you, that's the deal. I don't know what they're preaching around here. I'm just telling you, seven, no, I'm just so I have put some modern humorous language, semi-humorous, onto some of the kinds of grace the Bible mentions to us because I want it to be new in your hearing. You know how it is. We tend to read the Bible and we hear it in the same old way. And sometimes it's good to read another translation or sometimes it's good for somebody like me or another teacher, whoever, just to say, well, that also could mean this in its modern language. So, so let me just give you an example of some of them. And I just want you to lay back and enjoy this. Don't, don't, don't get tense about it. But I believe the Lord is going to talk to you today, just in the next 20 minutes or so, about some forms of grace grace, some types of grace, some grace packages, so to speak, that are uniquely suited for battles that you are in. This is not meant to, to, to correct you in any way. This is meant to tell you that God not only cared, he cared before you knew you needed him to. He cared before you even got into that fight. He has provided grace. And the first one I call Teflon grace. All right. That's not in the Bible. Okay. That's me making stuff up. Here's everything I know about Teflon. You shake the pan too much with the eggs in them, they fly out. That's what I know about Teflon, all right? So it's stuff that won't stick, right? Stuff that other stuff can't stick to. That's how technical I am, all right? I want you to picture for a moment that every curse 
every insult, every horrible description of you, every lie about you, uh, everything that was intended to destroy you and to deform your destiny and your soul stuck to you and never went away. It was always there like a cancer. It was always there speaking to you. You thought about it at night. It came back to you over and over again. It leaked into your soul constantly. I want you to think about it that way. That is what would happen if grace not given to your life so that the insults and the curses and the stuff that is meant to be that verbal programming that deforms you and changes you and moves you away from your destiny uh, were not, did not just drop off. Consider for just a moment one of the great verses of the Bible. I'm going to read to you one, a, a, a translation that I don't like. Okay, it's okay to say you don't like a translation. You can't say you don't like the Bible. And then I'm going to give you my version, the Rambo version. Okay? So, so when the NIV translators translated this verse, they must have gone and gotten some poet because it's very fluttery. Man, it's very, you know. All right. Proverbs 26.2, like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse does not come to rest. <clears throat> okay. The second one is from the Living Bible. It's a little bit better. A little bit, can I say it this way, ladies? Manlier. You understand what I'm saying? I'm heading towards violence is what I'm doing. An undeserved curse has no effect. Its intended victim, I like that we're talking about victims. Let's just put a name on it. Victim will be no more harmed by it than a sparrow or a swallow flitting through the sky. We still had to have the dang sparrows and the dang swallow. Here's what I like. When the heat-seeking missile of the devil... Locks on to your target. The death ray of God knocks it out of the sky. Okay, there's, there's the Mansfield. There's the, there's the Mansfield Special Forces version of the Bible, all right? Now, we're going to have fun with all of these, but I want you to make sure to take them into your heart because there was grace and there is grace given by God Forgive me if I'm putting my finger in a wound. I'm not trying to. But what your parents said about you, what that coach said about you, what your friends said about you, what that boss when he fired you said about you, what that angry boyfriend or girlfriend said about you does not need to leak into your soul and deform you for the rest of your life. Why? Because there's Teflon grace. I'm convinced when you get to heaven, if you don't get this this morning, there's going to be a room in heaven you'll have to go to called the Teflon Grace Center. And you'll have to go get all that stuff knocked off of you. I'm just playing. Now, don't take me seriously. Somebody's going to text Brett Mansfield's making up whole new kinds of heaven. All right. I want you to consider that this is grace you've already been given. It's one of those forms of grace. If God had not given this kind of grace, had not specifically mentioned it in the Bible, you, we would all be in trouble. That means everything I've ever heard. By the way, let's go a little further. Every unclean thing I've seen in a movie, every nasty thing I've seen on the street, you follow what I'm saying? All of that's got to be all the time present in my brain? No. There's grace for it to fall off of me. It's grace for it to fall off like Teflon. We got to go through some tough situations. We got to deal with some difficult stuff. Some of you call the politics or some of you call the work, you know, in difficult areas of education where you're really in people's lives. You can't have that stuff attaching to you. You got to be able to help you help people and come out clean, just like a surgeon who scrubs in and scrubs out. We need for you to scrub in, do your job and scrub out. We don't want it attached to you for the rest of your life. God has already given grace for that. Now, listen, let me just, let me just put this one kind of a little bit between our eyes. 
if you sit in a room by yourself and rehearse old angry, bitter conversations, then something is attached to you. You follow what I mean? If, if I'm, I've done it. Uh, if you drive down the road, nobody's in your car, and you're giving somebody what for that happened 40 years ago, and maybe they're dead, but still you can feel it like it happened yesterday, something's attached to you. I'm saying that as a, as a man who loves you. I'm saying as a pastor. I'm saying to you, if that's what you do, something's attached to you. But you've got Teflon grace. You've got Teflon grace. And you've got to say, it cannot stick in Jesus' name. Amen. You already have grace extended. Let's get real this morning, all right? Number two, that one wasn't that much fun. Here's another one that's not that much fun, although we're going to laugh about it anyway. One of the things I love about the way that God has made us is the way he has made us all unique. He has made us all different. I like different personalities. I like different looks. I like people just being different. I like traveling the world and seeing all people in every different kind of way. And Jesus has made each of us unique. He has made each. So when we come to him and we are fully unpacked by Jesus and fully developed and grown and matured and transformed into the image of Jesus, we are unique among all the creatures of the earth. I mean you specifically. You're meant to do things. You have gifts. You have ideas. You have ways of seeing things that, 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 that nobody else has because God has made you a handiwork, a work of art, the Bible says, that's unlike anything else on the planet. What you need is grace to endure the process of being unique until it's complete. Otherwise, when everybody else treats you like you're weird, or you're the outsider, or you're not in the cool kids club, it hurts so much, you'll betray your uniqueness in Jesus and just begin to conform. Do you follow what I'm saying? And that's why when people come to a church and that church says, okay, everybody walk the same, look the same, dress the same, act the same, what they're doing is they're denying the uniqueness of Jesus. So there is a misfit anointing, a misfit grace. I just made that up. Don't think it's Bible, okay? Don't go looking for misfit in the Bible. It's not even there, all right? But you understand what I mean by it now that I've explained it. It's the grace of God to be as unique as you are called to be. It's not an excuse to be rude. It's not an excuse to blow people off. It's not an excuse to hurt people. Don't, don't, don't take license from it. But you're unique. You're unique. I'm a historian by training, and I like thinking about people. I'm going to use my friends, the Perkinses. I like thinking about Sean. How did we get Sean? How did we get Sean? I love Sean. How did we get him? Here he is. He's just sitting there. But he's a product of all kinds of experiences. And you, know, you guys, I, sure, I assume you know he's a former or still is cop and, you know, just all kinds of awesome things. How did we get him? Think about the life. Think about his parents. Think about the life he lived. Think about how God used some things, cleaned other things, smacked him for some things, brought him along. You know what I'm talking about. And we got, we got Sean. How did we get to now? How did we get this unique woman of God? How did we get this person? We, we got him because God was working, but they had to be willing to let God make them as unique as they needed to be. You follow what I'm saying? Which means that they had to not jump off the work table of God too early. And the experience of being a misfit, being unique, being outside the fold, being outside the cool crowd, which all of us feel, all of us feel. If nothing else, we feel it by virtue of being in this world at a time when Christianity is not exactly all that popular in a lot of the, a lot of the world. We're all misfits on this planet. You, you follow what I'm saying? Because we say that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. So everyone in here to some extent is a misfit. You look at the world, you don't fit. You look at maybe other, other groups of Christians, maybe you don't fit. And you've got to let God... 
do his work until he brings all your misfitness into his glorious completion in Jesus Christ, right? Otherwise, what's not going to happen is here's what excites me. Here's what excites me, and, and it's, a, it's a battle we got to fight. So there's some 14-year-old in this church, and this person, I'm just, I'm, I won't even give, it a, give this person a gender because I'm making this up, uh, is, is, is unique in Jesus. God's given him unique gifting, maybe unique music, maybe unique gifts. I don't know what. But you know what? There's a tribe out there unreached by Jesus that only a unique vessel like that can reach. So if with this person uh, this, that I'm making up doesn't have misfit grace, to be willing to feel the uniqueness of who they are and let God bring it to completion, then that tribe of other unique ones never gets reached. You follow what I'm saying? So we've got to protect that. We've got to ask God for misfit grace. We've got to have, ask God uh, for grace to endure the uniqueness and whatever the price might be, whatever the price might be. Because lonely nights and difficult seasons is often what makes the spiritual power in someone's life uh, that, that later they pour out. There's a world waiting to be reached, and that world's very diverse. And we Christians need to be as diverse as Jesus wants us to be, which means we got to stay on the work table of God until the work is done. Here's the good news for you. There's grace to be unique and to be the misfit God has created you to be. There's grace for that. All right, I'm going to go right on. I'm not even, I am not even going to wait for an amen. I'm just going to go right on. The second one is the third one is this. Very quickly. There's a thing that the Bible refers to. It uses the word secret, but I'm going to call it secret grace. I love in Scripture where God says that his heart is tender towards those who hold their secrets before him. Every mom in this room has secrets she holds before God regarding her children. Come on. Everybody in here has secrets they hold. I don't mean dark, dirty things. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about hidden prayers, desires unspoken, things you don't share with everybody. You know what I'm talking about. It's okay to have secrets with God, for heaven's sakes. Um, you know, secrets, things, longings of the heart, dreams, things that came in the night, words spoken years ago that just like Mary, the mother of Jesus, we treasure in our hearts until the day of fulfillment. Bible says that God is tender towards those. He listens. And that means, and putting it together with some other scriptures, there's grace to hold those secrets before the Lord until they're fulfilled. The Bible says that a, a longing delayed, one translation said, is a heart sick. A, a delayed a vision, a delayed dream, a longing delayed makes the heart sick. Well, I think there's a grace from God that's like a combination of Alka-Seltzer to keep you from getting sick, and then a Red Bull to give you energy, and then a protein drink to get you to the long distance. I, I can't believe I actually got all that out. But anyway, <laughs> there's grace. There's grace to be able to do as Pastor Brett's teaching us what we aren't able to do on our own. I'll get weary. I'll get tired. I'll think God doesn't care. You follow what I'm saying? On my own, I'll talk myself out of it. I'll talk myself out of those dreams, those visions, those secrets that God whispers in your ear and nobody else knows. I'll talk myself, because I don't have the strength in my own Stephen Mansfieldness to be uh, to, to hold those things before God. But God extends grace to those who hold the treasures of their heart before him and do so faithfully at his feet. There's grace for that. Isn't that good news? Isn't it good news that God loves that kind of thing and, and is listening to you? Okay, a few more here. This one's less, less enjoyable. I'm a little strange, and I love the part of a washing machine called an agitator. Okay? Because the agitator is the thing that jerks the clothes around, right? Jerks them back and forth, but gets them clean. And 
What I have learned in this life is that when God wants to get us clean, fix us, change us, improve us, upgrade us, he sends an agitator into our lives. Just go ahead and moan. It's okay. I don't, it's fine. Let's all do it together. He sends an agitator into our lives. The agitator, uh, and I don't, it's not just a person, although it's fun to talk about them like they're people, uh, but it's a situation that God brings you back to again and again until the work is complete. The agitator is the person who gets on, here's the biblical way to say it, your last stinking nerve, all right? But God keeps bringing those kind of people into your life, right? The other night, I told the other services this, I was getting on an airplane. I had been working all day, preaching the word of the Lord, you know, feeling holy and tired, right? Some great big, huge dude out there by the gate before we got on the plane, talking to everybody, knocking everybody around, showing pictures of his grandchildren. I think he was selling something loud, you know, and I just wasn't in a Christian mood, if you understand what I'm saying. I just... <laughs> For me, being a Christian is about time of day. You pretty much have to catch me between three and six, pretty much, is when I'm good. You don't, no, I'm playing. But I, what I wasn't up for was this. But I knew, I'm telling you, I knew as soon as I saw him. It's like the dude had a radar lock on me. I even prayed quietly, Jesus, if you love me, you'll put this dude on another plane. I mean, just, no. I sat down. And I gave the international introverts symbol that I did not want to talk. I put on my headphones. I turned my head away. Thank you, Jesus, for headphones. Right. There are certain ones that work better than others. We'll talk in a minute. And it says, go away. I don't want to lead you to Jesus right now. Okay. That's what... Sorry. I'm not that holy. You know, you know, I don't even have to finish the story. You know what happened. Him, his pictures, his sales samples... Uh, everything else he had for me landed in the seat right next to me. And I listened to him, and I, and I was half trying to be kind and half going, Jesus, why do you hate me? I mean, why? No, just playing, just playing, just playing. Talked to him about halfway through, he teared up on something, and I was able to help him a little bit. And I admit, I admit that I'm that way, but, but the Lord will send agitators into your life. It's not, I don't want to make a special category of people. I don't want us to hurt them. But I want us to be aware that sometimes the hardship of some relationships and the hardship of circumstances is ordained by the Lord to change us. He says as much in the book of James. Listen to this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. The, the Greek says whenever agitators come walking. No, not really. Uh, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That whole verse says God's going to use tough stuff in your life to shape you into what he wants you to be. But here's what I'm trying to say today. There's agitator grace. Here's the story I almost don't want to say out loud. At the end of that flight the other day, I liked that guy. He's got my business card. Probably be living at my house in three weeks. I don't know. He just, you know, I just liked him. And, and that, why is that? Because God works you to change you. But the good news is there's grace to deal with it. You in an agitator situation right now, there's grace to deal with that. There's grace to love those you don't naturally love. Thank God. There's grace to put up with people who work on your last nerve. There, there are, there's grace for it. And, and by the way, expect it. 
expect it. Because there's a sense in which, and I'm referring to a movie now, there's a sense in which it's Groundhog Day and the kingdom of God. He will bring back again and again and again whatever he's got to bring back to perfect you. I, I would like to learn the lessons and let my character be shaped in less than 30 or 40 agitators. You know what I'm saying? I would just like for the number to drop. So I'm going to get busy, all right? Couple of couple of others here I want to talk to you about. I, I hope you're being encouraged because there are grace packages for the battles you are in. And one of them is there is grace for taking a stand. I call it stand grace, just, just to shorten it. In the Bible, it's very important for a man or a woman to declare themselves, to say thus far and no further. And there are times and they may be becoming more frequent for many of us, that we have to stand and take a stand and declare our stand. When we do that, there is grace for that moment, authority and power, and to put it metaphorically or in an, invisible, an image of the invisible, I believe the angelic actually, angels actually begin to go into service when we take a stand based on the word of God. Not just a stand based on our emotions or whatever we want this week, but based on the word of God. I remember, as I was telling one of the other services, uh, when I was about 17 years old and I said a bad word in my home. That wasn't that unusual. My father was an unsaved military man, and so we occasionally heard bad language, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't allowed for the kids. But I was 17, I was pushing the boundaries, and I said uh, a bad word in front of my mother. And she stood up, and she said this. She, said, she, was, she was the only believer in the family at that time. She said, don't you ever talk like that again in my home or you will have to deal with God. Now, you got to understand my mother, you know, like, yes, mother, you know, I mean, not, I, I can't, I can't tell you what it was like. It, I wouldn't even save now, but I remember the feeling that she stood up and kept going, you know, I mean, I mean, really there was something, it was, even though I'm joking about it being physical, you know, it, was not, it wasn't physical. She had an authority to deal with her 17-year-old, you know, bodybuilding, giganto, dozen eggs a meal eating, you know, son. And she wasn't messing around. I'm telling you, God was there. God was there. Why? Because she'd taken a stand. Your father might do it. You might sit on TV. You do it in this house, God will kill you. That's basically what she was saying. And she had authority. And some of you are drawing lines about what may and may not be watched in your home. Some of you are, are drawing lines about what, uh, what, you know, what kind of stuff's coming in your home, what kind of stuff your kids are watching on their, on their phones and what have you. Some of you are drawing lines with your own moral life. Some of you who are dating are having to draw lines in that arena. You know what I'm talking about. You're having to draw lines. And I'll tell you, when you draw the lines according to the Word of God, there's grace for that. And it's not just comforting grace. It's not just, oh, aren't you sweet? No, it's the authority of God to back up how you are standing before the living God. Draw the lines you need to draw. Draw the lines you need to draw. And by the way, this just doesn't have to do with families and raising kids and your own individual moral behavior. This has to do with how we draw lines in the kingdom of God and in front of the world. I, I, didn't, I didn't get saved and get mad at anybody. I didn't get saved to go charging after anybody, uh, you know, who might, be, who might be upset with Christians in the world. But, but our generation is forcing us to say, yeah, I, you know, I do believe certain things. I love you, but I do believe certain things. And, and here are the moral lines for my life. And I'll tell you what, we can do it graciously. We can do it gently. But we need to know that the authority of the living God and the grace of the living God intersects at that line right there and stands with us.
For some of us, the kingdom of God, the heavenlies, are waiting for us to draw the line. We keep drawing it and backing up, then drawing it again, then redrawing it on Sunday morning after Brett preaches, right? And then drawing again after we see a movie on HBO, and then you understand what I'm saying, right? We, We keep redrawing it. Draw the lines you need to draw and trust that there's grace for the stand. Having done all to do to stand, stand. And by the way, that's, that's, in a, that's in a chapter on spiritual warfare. That's in a chapter, Ephesians 6. It's all about demons and battling and angels coming to fight for us and all that kind of thing. And then it says, if you've done everything to stand, just stand. What, what, what's, what's the implication? Somebody else is going to take up that battle. I figure Gabriel's much better at warfare than I am. You follow what I'm saying? I figure the spiritual beings are. Now, I got one more point. And then I'm going to lunch. All right. No, I'm just messing with you. I love this next point, And I got to trust you and you got to trust me. I don't mean to push you too far with this. And I don't want you to, I don't want you to take any license in this. Because I believe there's also a goodbye grace. A grace to say goodbye. Let me explain this a little more fully. In the kingdom of God, in the Bible, for example, God is always telling people to come and go. He's always saying, you come here, you move here, get, get on your, your camel and get your family together and go over to this country and then come back this way. And everybody's going and coming. And there's grace for the change. There's grace for the move. There's grace for the goodbyes. You follow what I'm saying? Whatever God tells you to do, there's grace. And I do some leadership and administrative consulting and what have you and communications consulting. And I'll tell you that what some of the biggest messes people make in their lives is when they don't recognize the end of a season, they overstay their welcome, or they can't bring themselves to say goodbye to what needs to be said goodbye to. Okay. Now don't misunderstand me. I don't know anything about going, what's going on in your life. Brett comes back and you tell him you left your spouse and dropped your job and went off to the beach. I'm going to whoop you. Okay. Do not, do not make stuff up. All right. I, you know what I'm not telling you to do. Okay. But just to make sure I'm clear here, about, oh, I guess 10 years ago, uh, I was going through a pretty tough time. Well, longer than that, almost 20 years ago, I guess. And, um, and I, I was going through a pretty tough time, and there was some coming and going in my life, and some people, you know, leaving and people coming. And, uh, and I came across a devotional by T.D. Jakes that I just love. So I'm going to read it. That way, he gets in trouble and not me, okay? <laughs> no. In all seriousness, he says some things beautifully here. I'll come back and comment. I want you to hear this. This really touched me at that time. And um, he hits away, but it's a lot of fun. He says, there are people who can walk away from you. And hear me when I tell you this. When people can walk away from you, let them walk. I don't want you to try to talk another person into staying with you, loving with you, loving you, calling you, caring about you, coming to see you, staying attached to you. I mean, hang up the phone. When people can walk away from you, let them walk. Listen to this. Your destiny is never tied to anybody who leaves. I'll say it again. Your destiny is never tied to anybody who leaves. People leave you because they're not joined to you. And if they're not joined to you, you can't make them stay. So let them go. And it doesn't mean they're bad. It just means that their part in the story is over. You've got to know when people's part in your story is over so that you don't keep trying to raise the dead. You've got to know when it's dead. Don't take this too far, but, it, but blame TD if there's a problem. You've got to know when it's over. Let me tell you something. I've got the gift of goodbye, he says. He's laughing, of course. It's the 10th spiritual gift. I believe in goodbye. It's not that I'm hateful or unfaithful. I know whatever God means for me to have, he'll give it to me. And if it takes too much sweat, I don't need it. Stop begging people to stay. 
If you're holding on to something that doesn't belong to you and was never intended for your life, then you need to let it go. If you're holding on to past hurts and pains, let it go. If someone can't treat you right, love you back and see your worth, let it go. If, some, if, some, if uh, you are holding on to uh, some evil thoughts of, e- uh, thoughts of evil and revenge, let it go. If you're involved in a wrong relationship or addiction, let it go. If you're holding on to a, I'm not going to read that one about jobs. If you have a bad attitude, let it go. If you keep judging others to make yourself feel better, you see where he's going. And he goes all T.D. Jakes on us for like another two pages and we don't have that kind of time. So, What's important for you to know is not that, hey, you know, like I say humorously, if Brett comes back and you say, well, Steve, Stephen told me to leave a whole bunch of folks. That is not true. But, but I am going to say that when the time of separation comes, when the season's over, when the thing is done, there's grace to say goodbye. It's grace to say goodbye. You in a good relationship with a member of the opposite sex and you're dating, keeping it clean? Great. It's over. If it's over, you got to say goodbye. You got to say goodbye because you don't say goodbye. Now you're all out of season and things get messed up. Business things, you've seen them, get messed up. People can't say goodbye. People can't bring things to an end. I don't know anything. I'm not talking about any specifics. I'm not going for anything in this church. I have been in Saudi Arabia recently. So how much could I possibly know about anything? Don't try to read anything into what I'm saying. I just know the Lord wanted me to share this this morning. There are things where we've got to be able to say goodbye and leave it. And stop putting ourselves in a position of dragging people in our lives to fill out a hole in our soul that only Jesus can fill. Do you follow what I'm saying? And doing all kinds of things we shouldn't be doing. Look up here. May the Lord Jesus hover over these words to perform them in your life. May he make you aware that you're not in any battle in which you are alone. But that he has already created grace packages grace anointings, grace lets, some people say out of the Greek. May you find that grace. May you be delivered. And may you walk in the freedom that Jesus has intended for your life. You are not alone. And you will, if you take hold of the grace of God, be victorious. In Jesus' name. God bless.